Thank you so much for checking out the Connect Church podcast. We hope you're encouraged and inspired by this week's sermon. So let's jump right in and check out this week's message. Freedom in this place, and we are so grateful for that. And I'm so grateful for a team that, that sings the truth of God's word. And I'm so glad that you're here today. And I want us to go ahead and I want us to move into our, our time of worship through the word of God. Now, I'm trying to be technologically a little bit savvy here, okay? This could end terribly. Um, but I want, us to, uh, I want us to begin to look at God's Word today. I, I mentioned to you guys that I was, in, I was in Alabama over the past couple of days, and, and I love, I love my, my brother, my youngest brother. He's 10 years older or younger than me. And uh, I have another brother who pastors in Seymour, but my brother Dominic, youth pastors down in Alabama, and we had a chance to go down there and, and really to preach the gospel. And here's the deal. I, I don't like missing a Sunday morning here at Connect Church. That's why I drove through the night here. I just wanted to worship with you guys, and I wanted to, to be able to preach the word. But we had a great time. And there is nothing, there is nothing. I, I think over a dozen students Men stood up and gave their heart and their life to Jesus over the past couple of days. Hey, which by the way, really good reason to celebrate, right? Really good reason to celebrate. And I'll never get over, I just can never get over watching God take a student and change their heart and their life and their passion for him. And, and so I was over there preaching and I'm so proud of my youngest brother. But I wanted to share with you just one of the highlights, not spiritual highlights, but one of the highlights of the trip for him. How many, how many younger siblings do I have? You're the youngest or one of the younger siblings in your family. Can I raise your hand? You are going to find great freedom here, okay? My brother as we grew up, could never really beat me much, okay? There was just not much he could do to beat me. I'm getting a little bit older now. And he's, he's kind of coming into his own. I want you to watch this video clip of, of a game we played together yesterday on the stage, okay? Take it away, guys. Playing cups. Watch this. That is a younger sibling. He grabbed a cup off the ground. You know what I'm saying? It's like he won the Super Bowl right there. But man, I tell you, we had, a, we had an incredible time. I love watching God move through the life of students. But I wanted to be back here today. And I wanted to share with you our first message in our, our new series entitled, We Are Connect Church. We are Connect Church. One of the things is we planted this church on Sunday mornings uh, nearly 17 weeks ago this Sunday. We are 17 weeks old. As we began to plant this church, one of the things that I had a heart for was I wanted people to be excited about being a part of his church. I wanted people who were, who were far off from God to find a place where they could draw near to him. I wanted people who maybe not been to church for years to find a place where they can connect with one another and be used of God. I wanted people just to love being a part of Connect Church. I mean, I love it. I want you to love it as much as, as I love it. But here's the truth. Before we could really love his church, we need to know what the church is. And we need to have a, a healthy understanding of what the church looks like and God's function for the church. So as we begin our series, We Are Connect Church, man, it's important for you and I to have a good understanding of what his church looks like and what his church is all about. And we ask this, why meet together? Why is it important that we're 
meeting together week in and week out and we are a part of this thing called his church. Why gather together? And here's my hope, that as we answer the why behind what we do, that it'll empower each of us to seek after the how we can be a part of what God's doing in the life of his church. When we begin to answer the why behind what we do, it is my hope and my prayer that it empowers you and I to say, how can I be a part of what God's doing in the life of his church? And so we begin our series entitled, We Are Connect Church. Now, last week, we spent a lot of time in looking at our 2020 vision. Hey, by the way, if you weren't here, you can go on Facebook, you can go on our YouTube channel and you can catch our vision from last week for the next two years. You can go on infocc.org and you can click on the tab that says 2020 vision and you can find where God is gonna be moving in the life of Connect Church over the next two years. I hope you'll check it out. But we begin to ask God, and how can you use our little church to build your kingdom and not our own? How can you use this body of believers to make a difference in our community from the neighborhood to the nations? How could you use this body of believers to make a difference in this world? And I loved our 2020 vision, but here's the deal. You and I have to have a healthy understanding of what the church is for a vision like this to ever be accomplished. Hey, by the way, many of you guys signed up to be a part of parts of this vision. And by the way, our team has your name. You are in a list. And over the next couple of weeks, we're gonna be contacting you and getting these ministry teams together. So thank you for signing up. Have you ever Googled a church? Have you ever just asked Google, what is a church? And looked at the images that have come? Take a look, this is what you'll find. If you type in church in Google, and you, and you look at the images of what a church is, notice what you will find. You will find building after building, pictures of these beautiful cathedrals, and you will find thousands upon thousands of views of what the church is. And you know what it is? It's pictures of buildings. Do you remember when you were a kid? Remember this? You know what I'm talking about. Here's the church. Here's the open the doors and see all the people. Isn't that good? Theologically, that's pretty off, right? It's a pretty cool nursery rhyme. I've learned here's the church, here's the steeple, open the door and see all the people. And you know what begins to happen in our culture and our community? Is we begin to buy into the idea that the church really is a building and a place. We begin to buy into the idea that that the church isn't something which we are, but it's a something that we do. And here's what I want us to begin to see, that there is far more to the church than what a Google search will do. There's far more to the church than what a simple nursery rhyme would teach us. And that is this, that the church is not a building, but a body. The church is not a place, but it's a people. And we will reiterate that every week, week in and week out, so that we don't get caught up in the idea that the church is the place that we go to, but we reinforce the idea that the church is who we are in Jesus Christ. And it's important that we begin in understanding that we are Connect Church, that we begin there. Now, when it comes to the church, all across this room, there's been a whole lot of different experiences. Some of y'all, when it comes to the church, have had a drug problem, right? You were drugged there on Sunday mornings. You were drugged there on Sunday nights. You were drugged there on Wednesday. Man, you just have a drug problem. Some of you guys, when it comes to the church, wasn't really a drug problem, but you, 
find yourself to be indifferent about the church. Like this idea, honestly, I could take it or I could leave it. Some of you, when it comes to the church, you have known great hurt from a church and you find yourself wanting and longing for healing from a hurt that you experienced at church. Some of you are curious about the church. And some of you have faithfully attended church when you were in your mother's womb, right? So we have a room filled with a ton of different experiences in the life of the church. And so with so many experiences that feed in to this morning, I wanna say this to you, no matter your background, no matter your experience in church, it is our hope this morning that after our time in his word, after understanding that we are Connect Church, that you and I together can celebrate the gift and the wonder that is his church. That we can celebrate it this morning. Here's one of the things I wanna, here's gonna be kind of the framework for our message this entire morning, you ready? When it comes to the church, here's our understanding that God created us from community for community and saved us to community, that is his church. And so I want you to remember this phrase that, that God created us from community, he created us for community, and he has saved us to community and church. And here's the deal, if we can grasp and understand this idea together, then we can leave here really understanding that we are his church, we are Connect Church. And this is where it begins. So as you have your Bibles, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 10, if you would. Hebrews chapter 10. And as you turn there, let me give you an idea of where this phrase comes from. It really purely is from God's word. First of all, God created us from community. Take a look at this creation narrative, if you would. Genesis chapter one, verse 26. It says, then God said, let us make mankind in our image and in our likeness. Now here comes the crowning achievement of God's creation and that is mankind. And notice the language there. Let us make man in our image, right? And so what we're beginning to see here at the very beginning of time is this reality that although God is one, God is three distinct persons. He's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. In fact, the New Testament teaches this about Jesus, that in him all things were created. And so we have a God that is one, but he's in three separate persons. And here's the question a lot of you have in your mind. Hey, Anthony, could you explain to us the Trinity? You ready? No. No. There is a mystery and a wonder and a majesty to the Trinity of God and how he functions in this community of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit that goes far above any master's degree that I have in the Bible, that goes far above any pastoring title I may hold. And here's the truth of it. I am perfectly okay in the beauty and the wonder and the mystery that is the Trinity of God. And I pray that you would find a great comfort there. I mean, you know what? If I could figure all of God out, he would be no bigger than my ability to comprehend him. He would be no bigger than this brain in my head that could understand and comprehend him. But here's what we find about God, that God created us from community because God is a perfect community in and of himself. One God, three persons who exist in perfect community. And I love this picture of who God is. But we also find this, that God, not only did God create us from community, but God created us for community. Look at this part of, of creation. In Genesis 2, 18, that the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone, and I will make a helper suitable for him. Now understand this, sin has yet to enter the picture. Adam 
has a open relationship with God. He is walking with God. And yet God looks into Adam's life and he says something to him. It's not good for you to be alone. God saw man without community. And the first thing in all creation, even before sin entered the picture, he said, it's not good for you to be alone. Isolation was not good for Adam. And so God created Eve and God began the very first community and that was the family. And so we begin to see, even in the creation account, that not only did God create us from community, but he created you and I for community. And I love this, we begin to play this out. Here's another truth, that God has also saved us to the community that is his church. I love this in Ephesians chapter two, verse 17, that he came and preached peace to you who were far off, talking about Jesus, and peace to those who were near. For through him, we have both access to the Father by one spirit, and watch this, so then you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but you are fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. What you begin to see about God is all throughout creation, God has been building a community for himself, whether it was the family in the garden with Adam and Eve, or Abraham and his many descendants, the, the Hebrew nation, or whether it was David and Israel and the kingdom, the community God was building to himself. And we see this very same heart for community played out in the New Testament. And Jesus came and he began to build a community to God called the church. You see, God created us from community for community, and he saved us to community through Jesus Christ. Now, as we go to Hebrews chapter 10, my prayer is, is that this very statement would frame up what we're fixing to look at and what we are fixing to talk about. We are Connect Church. Now, in Hebrews chapter 10, you're gonna find this. We're gonna find a group of people who are, who are Jewish in their heritage, but have placed their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And you say, well, hey, that's a cool story, but hear me, hear the cost that they paid for following after Jesus so early on. Many of them faced significant persecution. I love what one one commentator wrote. He said this, Jews turned Christian would have endured outraged family members that would disinherit them, would cast them out of the community. And listen to me, church. They would go so far for a Jewish person who became a Christian, they would go so far as to hold a funeral for that person to say, you are dead to me because of your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And the author of Hebrews is writing a letter to encourage these very people. You know why? Because this was so distressing for the early church that many believers would say, you know what? I'm just gonna go back to Judaism. I'm gonna stop following Jesus and I'm gonna go back. It's just too much. And so the author of Hebrews is writing to encourage them. And watch what he says here in Hebrews chapter 10. He says, and let us consider how to stir one another up in love and good words, not neglecting time to meet together as is the habit of some to do. But watch this. But encouraging one another all the more as you see the day that is drawing near. And so what he's saying to the church is simply this. Hey, listen, you need to consider what it is in faith to spur one another on. That word spur means to provoke, meaning this. The church should be a, a people who push one another towards Jesus, who push one another to the good work of loving him with everything, who push one another to loving what God loves most, and that is people to push one another to Jesus. That ought to be the function of the church. He says, that's what we ought to be doing. And then he goes on and says this, but not forsaking 
The assembling of yourselves together is something are in the habit of doing. You know what he was saying? And people who follow after Jesus are going through a hard time. And some are just throwing up their hands and saying, you know, I don't need the church. He says, some people are getting in the habit of this. You know what the author says? Don't get in that habit. And he says, do this all the more as the day is approaching. What day is he talking about? The day of Jesus Christ coming again. Now listen, there are a few things that get me as excited to talk about when Jesus Christ comes again. I love the thought, I love the reality, and I hope before I die physically on this earth, I see the day that Jesus Christ comes again. But here's my passion in my heart, that there are many in this community and there's many in this world who've yet to hear of the first coming of Jesus. And so until he comes again, I'm gonna be busy telling everybody I can about his first coming in a manger, that he died on a cross for our sins, that he vacated the grave, and that he can change anybody's heart and their life. And he says, until Jesus comes, don't you stop meeting together as his church. Don't start, stop assembling yourselves together. Here's the deal. The church ought to exist to equip and engage and encourage to exhort one another to follow and to love after Jesus. The church is a community of, of faith, of family, who regularly gather together for the purpose of stirring and spurring one another to build his kingdom and not our own. And what we find here in Hebrews is the picture of a church that gathers together, that assembles together. And you know what I find really interesting about this passage? is that it wasn't an option for the believer to be a part of the church. It was a matter of obedience. Not, not a have to, but a get to obedience. Why? Because God created us from community. God created us for community. And God has saved us to community through Jesus Christ. Now, I love this. We, I wanna <laughs> kind of answer the question then, Anthony, what, what, where does even the word church come from? Well, it's in the Greek, it's ecclesia. Here's what it means. It means a gathering of people together. But here's what we understand it to be uh, more, more precise in scripture. We understand it to believe that the church is the whole body of believers worldwide who have placed their faith and trust in Jesus. And locally, we find that the church is just a local expression, a local gathering of believers assembling together to fellowship, to grow in faith, to worship together, and to reach their communities for Christ. Again, let me reiterate, as I have the past three weeks, not a place, but a people, not a building, but a body, not an organization, but an organism alive for Jesus Christ. As you look in the New Testament, here's what you find in the first century of the church. You find people who met together who recited scripture, who sang hymns and psalms. They joyfully praised the Lord, Ephesians 5 and Colossians 3 teaches us. Christians also gathered together as we have several times already to pray together in Acts chapter 12. We found that this was a small group of believers meeting in homes quite regularly. We found people who love being a part of the church and meeting together as a church. And you know what I find in our culture? I find more than not people despise the church. People despise meeting together. And also I think of Ephesians chapter five, verse 25, that Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And I find the beauty and the wonder that is the church and so many people who want nothing 
to do with it. Do you know why? Because for a lot of folks, the church has become a building. The church has become a program. The church has become something they do and not that which they are. Here's what I want you to do, you ready? I want you to look at a neighbor right near you and I want you to look them right in the eye and I want you to say this. So turn to your neighbor real quick, turn to your neighbor, look at them and say this, you are the church. Now look at your other neighbor, if you're on the aisle way, I'm sorry for this awkward moment, look at your other neighbor and say this, I am the church. Hey, listen, we are Connect Church. I love this building that we're meeting in. We've prayed over this, but tear the building down and we're still his church. Take away the lights. Take away the musical instruments. Take away the heat that's going on in here. We're gonna be cold, but you know we're still his church because it's all about his people. I heard a, once, I heard a man say this once. When you were born, your mother brought you to church. When you're married, your wife brought you to church. When you die, your friends will bring you to church. He said, why not try coming to church on your own sometime, right? You know what my heartbeat is? Is for everyone to love his church and to love being a part of it. And the question might come on, Anthony, why is Sunday so important? Now, now listen, I don't buy into the thought that Sunday's the only day that the church can meet together, but, but let me just give you a reason why it is that we're meeting together today on this Sunday. Well, first of all, Jesus was raised from the dead on a Sunday. And we find this, that um, in Revelation chapter one, verse 10, that Sunday's called to the Lord's day. In Acts chapter 20, verse seven, we find that the people, they gather together on the first day of the week. On, in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 2, we find out this, that the people would come together and give their offerings to the Lord on the first day of the week. And I love what John Piper says. He says, so that is why we do it on Sunday. Jesus rose from the dead. He created a new people for himself, a new creation with a new day of worship. I love that. So that's why we're meeting together on, on Sunday. Does that mean we won't ever have a service on another night of the week? Absolutely not. But that's just why, in general, churches meet on Sunday. And I love what the church is called throughout the New Testament. Catch this, you ready? It's called the Church of God or the Church of Christ in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and Romans 16. It's called the Body of Christ in 1 Corinthians 12, the Bride of Christ in 2 Corinthians 11, the People of God in 1 Peter 2, 9. But you know what my favorite description of the church is? My most favoritist, and I know that's not good English. My most favoritist description of the church is this. His family. People always look at the fact that I got four kids like I got a disease. <laughs> Literally, Aaron and I walk in a restaurant, and you know what the question we always get? Are those all yours? We're like, we think so, right? Yeah. Last time we checked, I mean, they're all ours. I used to kid folks when we started planting the church that, uh, well, the reason we had so many kids was just in case the church didn't work, we'd have our own little house church, right? Just everybody built in. I love this description of the church family. You know, so did Jesus. Do you have a family in your church? Do you find family, whether you connect here or somewhere else? I love this. Listen to this. Jesus had described his family as those who did the will of the Father in Mark chapter 3. And, and, and those who were not ashamed to call each other brothers in Hebrews chapter 2. In Matthew 23, 8, he instructed his disciples to call one another brother. 
The apostles thought of the church as a family in frequently spoken, wrote, and familial terms. In Acts chapter 9, Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 7, Galatians 4, Hebrews 3, James 2, 2 Peter 1, 1 John chapter 3. And such language portrays a deep unity in the life of the church. Guys, we are, we are family. Now listen, we've got a whole lot of different backgrounds and family in here. How many of y'all in your family, there's a black sheep? Uh, there's somebody who's a little bit weird. It's okay, raise your hand, I've got them. I just spent time with one down in Alabama, right? You got your black sheep? How many of you guys are the black sheep in your family? <laughs> yes, I see those hands, God bless you. Our cameraman in the back, Jeff, we, we feel you, buddy. We're here for you, right? You are the black sheep. You know what's amazing? We are family. And it's time that the church starts acting like that not enemies, not agenda-driven. Building programs, we are his family. I love this as Peter frames up the church and their identity in 1 Peter 2.9. He says this, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Hey, church, hear me. It is time that we start talking about each other like this, that we start reminding each other in the good times and the bad that this is who we are in Christ. I am who he says I am. Amidst the struggles, I am who he says I am. In the good times, I am who he says I am. And you know what? It's high time that the church starts talking about one another like this. But we are the most infamous army in the world for killing our wounded. I want to close this way before you and I can celebrate the fact that we are Connect Church. We need to be honest about some reasons why people criticize the church. Some of the criticisms are unfounded, they're baseless. Some criticisms towards the church have some merit. And here's the first area I want to talk about. Why is it that people they refuse to gather together? They refuse the church. They reject the church. You ready? Hurt. Hurt. It's real. And I'm not going to be dismissive of hurt that people have faced in the church. But you know my prayer has been for every person who sits in this room, for every person who's yet to sit in this room, who's been hurt by the church, that Connect Church would be a place where they find healing from the hurt. This has been my prayer since the beginning. I heard it said this, and this is a, a great quote, and I want you guys to catch this, you ready? There is no one who has been hurt more by the church than Jesus, but he still comes. Or two or three are gathered, he's still here. The church and our sins crucified Jesus. And yet he loved the church and gave himself for it. Your hurt may be very real and have great merit. But I want you to hear me. God's best for your life, God's design for your life is not isolation in this world. But he created you from community, for community, and has saved you to community that is the church. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. You stick around long with us, and you'll probably find some hurt here. Just to be honest. 
There's gonna be times we're gonna let you down. There might be times we disagree about things. Hey, by the way, in your family look a lot like that? Hey, husbands, do you agree with your wife all the time? I mean, I do, but I'm saying you probably don't. Do you agree all the time with the decisions your kids make? No, but you know what happens in those disagreements and even in those hurts at times? We're family and we stick it out, or at least we should. Hurt is real. But all the more real is the healing that Jesus can bring. I I found this, and I love this. This is a, a pledge called, I am the church. Listen to this pledge. This is my church. It is comprised and composed of people just like me. It'll be friendly and welcoming if I am. It'll do a great work if I work. It'll be, make generous gifts to many causes if I am generous. It'll bring others into its fellowship if I bring them. Its seats will be filled if I fill them. It will be a church of loyalty and love, of faith and service if I am who makes it what it is and I am filled with these things. Therefore, with God's help, I dedicate myself to the task of being all these things I want my church to be. I'm gonna tell you something. You fill a room like this with people with that type of heart and attitude, the gates of hell will tremble. A community like ours would be shaken by the very move of God and the very spirit of revival that could break out all across our community. What a day it would be if we showed up to church and said, stop saying, what can you do for me? What can I do for your church, Lord? What can I do for you in the life of this church? I am not dismissing hurt, but I am challenging you to find healing that is found alone in Jesus Christ. Here's the other reason why people, they criticize and they cast out the church from their life. Hypocrisy. Now, I wanna make a note here. Hypocrisy is real. And I am not being dismissive. You wanna find some of the harshest words that Jesus had? Have a conversation with him about whitewashed tombs. Have a conversation with him about people who say one thing and their hearts are a totally different thing. And some of the strongest words of condemnation in all the New Testament come from Jesus and they are aimed at the hypocrite. But here's the thing I want to encourage us with today. That hypocrisy in the church, that this is the only arena that we use this standard with. I don't go to that church because they are full of hypocrites. Is that why you don't go to the gym? You ever been to Walmart? You ever think a hypocrite's ever been to Walmart? I was in Walmart the other day. (laughs) I love Walmart. I mean, I go there all the time. Walmart is one of those places where it's 2 p.m. in the afternoon and people in pajama shorts are still, and pants are still walking and roaming the hall. They don't even know what time it is. I literally, I went to Walmart this past week and I stood there with a cashier who talked about how bad she hated her job. And then the manager walked up. She talked about how much she loved her job. Listen, hypocrisy's at Walmart, but here's the deal. It doesn't stop a single one of us from going to Walmart. And yet when it comes to the church, we expect perfection from the church. We expect everybody to be perfect. And if there's a hint of hypocrisy, I want nothing to do with it. 
I'm not dismissing hypocrisy. It is a plague and it is a problem in the church. But I am telling you that hypocrisy should not keep you from his church. Should not keep you from it. Here's something I jotted down. Forgive the hypocrisy in someone else as you enjoy God's forgiveness for the hypocrisy in you. Forgive the hypocrisy in someone else as you enjoy God's forgiveness for healing you and forgiving you for the hypocrisy in you. How different our church would be. I love what Gandhi said. Cute little Buddhist guy, right? Love what he said. He said, your Jesus I like, but your Christians I do not like, for they look nothing like your Jesus. So hey, for those of you who are living large and out loud and proud in hypocrisy, can I challenge you? Stop. I love Jesus with everything, Matthew chapter 22. And love what he loves the most people. If you've been hurt by hypocrisy, instead of holding that bitterness and letting that bitterness exempt you from his church, take a step in forgiveness. Forgive the hypocrisy in someone else as you celebrate Celebrate the forgiveness that God has given you in your hypocrisy. But hypocrisy is a real hurt. And here's, and here's the last thought of why some people don't do the church. They just ask the question, who needs it? Have you ever been there? Who needs it? I love what one author said. He said this, all of scripture is a warning against self-sufficiency, rugged individualism and isolation. We need God and we need each other. Now, I want to make this statement. The hurt is real. The hypocrisy is real at times. But Connect Church is going to be a place where it's okay not to be okay, but it's not okay to stay that way, right? We are spurring one another on to Jesus Christ. And in the question of who needs it when it comes to the church? I want you to hear me. All of scripture teaches that every person who is in Christ needs the community that God created us from, God created us for, and he saved us to, and that is the church. We need the community. Dustin Willis said this, the notion of an individual Christian who says, I don't need the church, would strike the biblical authors as foolishness akin to a toddler without a family into a toddler without a family. I got some toddlers in the house. They'd struggle without us as parents. There are people asking the question, well, who needs it? You need it. You need the community, that's the church. As imperfect, as blemished, as it is, you need that community. I want to close with this with this illustration, if I could. Ephesians chapter five, verse 25, that Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her is the very premise behind this, that God created us from community for community, saved us to community. I found the story and the writing of a, of a pastor in Zimbabwe who was martyred for his faith in Jesus. Listen to the note he wrote that was found in his study. He said this, and I want you to listen carefully, and I may get loud and a little fast here, but I want you to hear this. Listen to what this pastor wrote shortly before he gave his life for Jesus Christ. 
He said, I am part of the fellowship of the unashamed. The die has been cast. I have stepped over the line. The decision has been made. I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. I won't look back, let up, slow down, back away, or be still. My past is redeemed. My present makes sense and my future is secure. I am finished. I am done with low living, sight walking, small planning, smooth knees, colorless dreams, tame visions, mundane talking, cheap giving, and dwarfed goals. My pace is set. My gate is fast. My goal is heaven. My road is narrow. My way is rough. My companions few, but my guide is reliable. My mission is clear. I won't give up, back up, let up, or shut up until I've preached up, prayed up, paid up, stored up, and stayed up for the cause of Christ. I must go until he returns. Give until I drop, preach until I'll know, and work until he comes. And when he comes, he will have no problem recognizing me. My colors will be clear, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Man, I love it, yeah. Hey church, are you ready to be a part of a fellowship of those who stand unashamed of Jesus? Are you ready to be a part of that family? Ready to get skin in the game? You ready to let Jesus heal the hurts? You ready to let Jesus to forgive the the hypocrisy? Are you ready to let the word of God in Hebrews chapter 10 answer the question, well, who really needs the church? Are you ready to say, I need it? Because here's the deal. We are not a museum for people to come and see. We are a movement of God to mobilize his church to take ministry to the marketplace. And you know what? We do that together as a church and as a community. You hear it said that it takes a village to raise a child? Close. It takes a church. It takes a community to raise up believers. Now you may be thinking, Anthony, you're preaching this for self-preservation, right? Like you're a pastor, you need people to come to your church. I want you to hear me. When we started this church, my vision of my heart right now would be in the basement of my home with 20 or 30 people. And I promise you that I would be just as happy with that as I would with 10 services with this room packed. But I am grateful for what God has given us in you. But I am ready to move us forward because we are Connect Church. We are His people. We are His children. And so I wanna read Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as we see the day approaching. Hey church, God created you from community for community and has saved you to the community that is his church. And here's my question, what are you gonna do with it? Can we pray together? Just kind of bow your heads and maybe close your eyes across the place. And as believers, as you're praying about, man, this idea for some of you, and you need to know the healing that comes when you've been hurt by the church. And maybe begin to pray that healing over your life. Maybe there's some bitterness that is set up in the church because of hypocrisy. Can I ask you to take a step that's really hard? Can you forgive the hypocrisy in someone else as you celebrate God forgiving the hypocrisy in you? Some of you go, you know, I don't even know if I really need the church. Would you allow your feelings to subside for a moment and let your faith inform you? 
that you need the church. But I wonder if there's someone here who says, Anthony, I am. I'm not part of the church. And you're not talking membership. You're talking the fact that there's never been a point in time in your life where you have given Jesus your heart and your life and he has changed you. But hear me. The gospel is, is that the God who designed you, the God who created you, is the very same God who desired you and loved you enough that he demonstrated his love for us in this. While we were yet sinners, he sent his son Jesus to die for us. And that Jesus didn't stay dead, although he took our sin upon himself on the cross. He did not stay dead, that he came back to life so that you can know life in Jesus Christ. Hey, and just because you're sitting here today, and just because you go to a building that's called the church, it doesn't make you any more a believer than me walking into a gym saying I'm a fitness expert. It's like me walking into 3D dance studios and going, guys, I'm a nutritionist. Just because I'm there doesn't make me it. But what is it that makes us a, a believer? It's faith and trust in Jesus. Thank you again for checking out our podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you can stay up to date on our services. If you'd like to give to support our ministry, you can do that at our website. That's connectchurchpf.com. Hope you enjoyed and have a great week.